You're now tuned in to the Brendan King Show. From high above the circle in downtown Indianapolis, here's BK. It is a big episode 26 of the BK Show. What's going on? Thanks for jumping in. Episode 26, Max Homa, top 50 in the universe on the PGA Tour, and a cool dude at that. It was terrific to have Sir Max Homa on the pod. Great interview coming up later on. The BK Show presented with Friday Beers. Some exciting news to get to on the Friday Beers front in just a moment, but I think you'll really enjoy this interview with Max as he calls in from the beautiful but small state of Connecticut. Sorry, Brent Kaiserman, who was on the interview, by the way, who did a terrific job. It was so <laughs> in the studio today, on the phone in the studio, you can dial two separate numbers to have three people on a phone call. So I dial Brent's phone first. I'm like, hey, what's Max's number? And then I dial Max number, Max's number, and it turns into just a normal conversation. It was the weirdest thing ever. Wow, the New York Islanders just beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm watching it here in the studio. I'm recording this late. The Islanders! Wow. Islanders. Big. Bigly. Tampa's a wagon, but nobody wants to see these Islanders. From the Coliseum... Oh, man, that place looks electric, man. The Islanders, OT winner over Tampa. That cost a lot of people some money tonight. What are people throwing on the ice? Seeing with the Florida Panthers, you throw rats on the ice. I think people are actually throwing, like, legit, like, anything they can. What is that? Wow, that place looks electric. Anthony Beauvillier. People are throwing beer cans on the ice. <laughs> oh my God. People. And the Islanders don't care. They're saluting the crowd. Think about the people who have to clean this up. There are beer cans all over the ice. Rats are better in Florida, in my opinion. Wow, I just got sidetracked. That's what happens when you're recording the pod and you're watching live sports. Sports. Max Soma from the Travelers Championship. At TPC River Highlands, Max doing some really cool stuff over his next three tournaments. He is going to be donating to the Alzheimer's Association and St. Jude for every birdie and eagle he makes. So, right, he has to dunk one, right, on a par three. He has to dunk one. Imagine that. Imagine dunking one and you got cash money on an eagle going to the Alzheimer's Association and St. Jude. So, Max Homa, episode 26. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, things have been crazy busy last couple weeks. It's been one thing after another. It's been a blast uh, calling the Indians games, uh, being in studio. You know, things are not slowing down after the month of May, which is great. I hope you guys have an awesome 4th of July. We will drop next Tuesday. So you are listening to this if you're catching it right away on Thursday. We will drop on Tuesday. Get me some voicemails for Tuesday. We got some this week, but let's just add them all together for a big voicemail segment on Tuesday. 317-699-2350. Show email, brendankingshow at gmail.com. You can follow the pod. Follow me on Twitter at BKingSports. 
The Instagram, Brendan King Show. Same case on TikTok, Brendan King Show. Many uh, segments and many clips from the show are going on TikTok. So we got like 12,000 views on one of the Sean Avery clips, so that was cool. So follow on TikTok at Brendan King Show. And to allude to the Friday Beers thought, Friday Beers, we are continuing partnering with them through the summer on the pod. How it worked was they had a line of cuts. They brought on the ambassadors or whatever. They chose to stick with us, which we're very appreciative of, which means you still have a chance to get your July 4th gear in time for the 4th of July before wherever you go. There is a new promo code, though, that you must use. It used to be the Suckdown Season 21. We have our own promo code. So we get personalized promo codes with uh, less ambassadors, Friday beers, closer with us. It's awesome. Brian Todd, the absolute man, cash and checks, snap in next. 15% off right now, Friday beers. The discount code, Brendan, K-I-N-15. That's Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, K-I-N-15. No G in King. 15% off right now. Get you a shirt. It used to be only 10% off. Now it's 15. Extra cash. Extra cash in your pocket for whatever you need on the 4th of July. Get yourself a shirt. Get yourself a hat. Get yourself some gear. Let's boogie, man. Let's boogie. 4th of July is coming up quick. If you're listening to this on Thursday, it's June 24th. You're running out of time. You're running out of time, 4th of July. Make sure you get hooked up with the gear. Again, promo code, Brendan, K-I-N-15. B-R-E-N-D-A-N, K-I-N-15. Let's go. All right, so... Through the summer, I am hosting Indiana Sports Talk, sitting in for the great Coach Bob Lovell, who I just saw I was calling the Class A and 2A high school baseball state finals from Victory Field. Uh, Those were awesome to do. We were broadcasting statewide. It was the first time I had ever done play-by-play on 93.5, 107.5, and 1070 The Fan. So that was cool. I mean, obviously doing shows, but you know, the station that gave me the internship way back when, doing play-by-play on the station and statewide, that was badass. So I'm sitting in for Coach Lovell um, here through the weekends. That's coming up this weekend, Friday. Uh, that is going to be the 25th and Saturday, the 26th. I'm also in Friday, July 2nd, Friday, July 9th, and we'll get the rest of the schedule here soon. But Tune in on the show, statewide Indiana Sports Talk. Would love to have you listen in. Uh, Indiana Sports Talk, one of the most listened to shows in the state's history. It's been going for 27 years by the great coach Bob Lovell. And I opened one of the shows last weekend by talking about the new foreign substance rule in Major League Baseball. And, and this is what I said about it. What I said about it was, Major League Baseball, this is a required step that the MLB must take. I am not criticizing Rob Manford for doing this. For the choice of doing this, I think Rob Manford has it right. I don't think the game has room for pine tar or spider tack. If you don't know what spider tack is, look it up. Spider tack, uh, T-A-C-K. Look it up. It's like the thickest hair gel you've ever seen. 
And it takes a little smudge of this stuff to completely impact your grip on the baseball. Pitchers should not be using pine tar or spider tack on baseballs. The problem I have with the rule change. Pitchers were using a combination that weren't using spider tack or pine tar. They were using a combination of rosin, which is a legal substance. Literally, the rosin bag is on the mound. A mixture of rosin and sunscreen. That is illegal. Yes, sunscreen. For What if there's a guy from Ireland and he needs to put sunscreen on his arm? Oh, you can, sir, you can't, can't put that on. Well, I'm going to burn. Well, too bad. Sunscreen and rosin is illegal. The mixture of it. And guys have come out, Tyler Glass now, one of them saying, sunscreen and rosin is what I used. And I told this story on Indiana Sports Talk a couple weekends ago. During my travels and during my baseball broadcasting career, it hasn't been very long, but I've had an opportunity over the years to call starts and to call outings for big league players who are rehabbing. Now, that's been at every stop I've had. Obviously, Cape Cod is college players, but... Every professional stop I've had, I've had at least one rehab call, multiple in each. So I'm not going to tell you where, I'm not going to tell you who, but at one of my stops, I was calling a rehab start for a pitcher who had pitched in a World Series before. And I was down on the field. It was the day before the game. He was already in town. And he was sitting around the bullpen. I was close with a lot of the guys, so I all the time went to go out and chat with them. So I was just in the conversation. This guy, this major leaguer, again, who had pitched in a World Series, gets the question from one of the guys. And they say, hey, how many guys in the big leagues use foreign substances? And he goes, well, I use it. He uses it. This guy uses it. I would say, my best guess, 80%. This is not a problem that Rob Manfred can just sneak past overnight. And like I said, this is a necessary step for baseball. But in a position where you are, it is June 24th. It is June 24th. And you're installing a whole new set of rules, a whole new set of guidelines Brand new regulations for umpires to follow. Umpires have to check these players at random times. You see what Max Scherzer did? You see you see what Sergio Romo did? Sergio Romo took off his pants because he hated this. Sergio Romo came off the mound, threw his glove, threw his hat, took off his belt, laid down his pants. And it was like to the umpire, F you. You know? You can't do this if you're Rob Manfred in the middle of June. That's how guys get hurt. And I I am on the side of Tyler Glass now where he says he thinks he got hurt because he's not able to use his combination of sunscreen and rosin. Half of that substance being legal, the other half is sunscreen, where you can buy it at any drugstore at any corner. This isn't something where you're getting a direct shipment from Panama from a guy that you know in prison that looks like Morgan Freeman and Shawshank Redemption. It's not that situation. People aren't sneaking stuff. It's sunscreen. Now, this is a totally different situation if Rob Manfred goes to the winter meetings in December and he sits down with Scott Boris and he sits down with the super agents and he sits down with the team presidents and he says, you know what, guys? We're seeing that pitchers that we have known have used these substances because let's dial up the phone right now. 
Jeff Passan and Scott Van Pelt from SportsCenter. This is something that the league knew about, right? When guys took steroids and hit home runs, they've been kept out of the Hall of Fame. And as I just mentioned, Gaylord Perry was a hell of a pitcher, but he also cheated and everybody knew it and they put him in the hall. For some reason, doctoring the baseball has never been viewed with the same jaundiced eye. And and Jeff, I don't know why. What's your opinion on that? I mean, cheating among pitchers is a tried and true tradition of baseball. And this was just the logical extension of it, Scott, was it not? Major League Baseball has known about this all the way up to Rob Manfred. Like, they've known about this for years. And because hitters were saying it's okay with us because they get a better grip and can have more control on the ball, because hitters were saying that MLB, I think, was loath to go after pitchers for that. The problem is now, as you alluded to, Major League Baseball wide, the batting average is 236, and hitters recognize we're not going to be getting paid if we can't hit the stuff that guys are out there throwing. And so just as pitchers who complain that hitters using steroids were having an unfair advantage, and they were the ones who ended up getting the change made, hitters in this case are complaining that pitchers' advantage is too great, and they're the ones who are pushing forward this agenda more than anyone. I think that's the best explanation that I've heard in the last month of what the hell is going on. Jeff Passan is great. But again, it's totally different if Rob Manfred is at the winter meetings in December and he sits down with Scott Boris and then Scott can give the message to all of his guys. Say, hey, you know what? You can't use pine tar. You can't put globs of spider tack on your glove. But this is what they're going to do. Major League Baseball is going to give all of you these next five four months until the season starts, to find something else. They're going to find a substance that is safe and something that will not make your slider move four inches off the plate, hence why the batting average is 236 in Major League Baseball. If Major League Baseball could just put their thinking cap on and say, you know what, let's find something that can give the pitchers really not too big of an advantage, but something that can help the baseball grip. Because I'll tell you what, As a minor league baseball broadcaster, a lot of times you're down at BP or you're shagging BP balls in the outfield. A lot of times you pick up the baseball and you look at it and you're like, these laces are terrible. Same case for the big leagues. Some of these, the inconsistency in baseballs is so graphic. It's unbelievable. On my 2019 South Bend Cub squad, guy got suspended for a foreign substance on his glove. Suspended two starts, 10 games. He got fined. End of story. Okay, you can't do that anymore. Again, I'm fine with Major League Baseball making that decision. But Rob Manfred, in a leadership spot, cannot just say, well, sorry, you're SOL. Sorry. Try not to hit a guy in the head with a, you know, with a Hunter Green, 104-mile-an-hour fastball. Or Shohei Otani, try not to be in a guy with, you know, one of your seven pitches that move eight inches. The inconsistency in the actual ball is enough to cause concern. And the fact that you're doing this in the middle of June, it's not only going to make pitchers mad, it's not only going to make managers mad, it is not going to not only going to frustrate umpires when they are forced to do this and they have to say, eh, I'm sorry, it's my job. It's going to add more time to the game. Isn't that what you're trying to get rid of? Isn't that what you care about, Rob Manfred? Right? Don't you want games to be shorter? 
You don't want these delays when a pitcher goes out to the mound and the umpire takes an extra minute and 30 seconds to inspect him. I thought we wanted baseball to speed up. I thought that's why they have a pitch clock in AAA now. Then what's the point of this? Why do you do it in June? And why don't you just let it go? It's because of the money, isn't it? It's because of the money. Like Passon said, it has to be. It doesn't make any logical sense to just do this midseason. It doesn't make any logical sense. But meanwhile, batters are free to load their batting gloves, the palm of them, with pine tar and other sticky substances. And you know what their excuse is? Well, you know what? It's to get a better grip on the bat, and it's so that I don't let go of the the bat, and it doesn't go flying into the crowd or back to the mound. It's so that I can keep a hand on the bat. Isn't that the same thing? Is that not the same thing? Of course you do not want actual tar on the ball. That impacts a lot of things. But if guys are having just globs and goops of tar on their on their batting gloves and bat, isn't that the same thing? It's just unbelievably unbelievable to me. They're they're shooting themselves in the foot times a million. It's unbelievable. And there are going to be questions to be answered at the end of the year. Because Glasnow is already hurt. Jacob deGrom seems to be okay because Jacob deGrom is very good. I was watching a video on Corbin Burns the other day, the great pitcher from the Brewers. They did a breakdown of him before the substance rule and after the substance rule, and he was painting every corner. You know, he's burning with fastballs, hitting every corner, getting every call. After, he's not hitting any corner. He's walking guys. His pitch counts up. It's no secret. Like Passing just said, it is no secret, and it never will be. But boy, baseball's got some work to do. All right, Max Soma, episode 26 of the BK Show. We had a great 30 minutes with Max as he prepares for the Travelers in Connecticut. My buddy Brent Kaiserman is with us for the interview. Enjoy this one. It is Max Soma, episode 26 right now. This is episode 26, the Brendan King Show. I am joined by the Twitter bromance that nobody ever knew they needed. It is Max Homa, PGA Tour golfer, kind enough to take some time from Connecticut as he gets ready for the Travelers Championship, and my buddy Brent Kaiserman. Now, one thing, Max, I want to ask you, when you first started this bromance with Brent on Twitter, uh, did you know his name was Brent? He just texted us, say, hey, I'm Brent, by the way. No, I, I knew I didn't know right away, but I knew I knew like after because I got tickets for uh, Bay Hill, so I knew I knew his name. He didn't need to remind me today, but I appreciate it. Everyone, small people might forget. Gazer, I was kind enough for you to do that though. Nice of me to do what? To reintroduce yourself. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I know. I mean, dude. I guess uh, you know. Half people know me as Byron on Twitter, and then the other half just kind of know that I'm Brent. So I guess it's nice that Max actually knows who I am, you know, in his phone saved, hopefully, as Brent, not Byron. So, you know, that's, that's uh, Brent. I got you. Wait, oh, perfect. I appreciate it. There you go. Brent, wait, Brent, how are you not in Connecticut? That's literally your home state, and Max is there right now. I know, I know. It's kind of sad because I texted him after Memorial and I said I might try to make it work to go to Travelers, but um, no, I couldn't couldn't take the time off work, unfortunately. But yeah, Max, how are you enjoying my homeland, man? 
No, it's great, man. This is like the smallest state ever. He's like, I drove to New York yesterday in like 50 minutes. <laughs> you can get around. This is like the opposite of California. Max, yeah. I want to ask. Go ahead, Brent. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, hey, first of all, third third smallest state, not smallest state. But, uh, no, I'm glad that you got my recommendation for Trumbull Kitchen, that place. That place is fantastic. Yeah, that place is fire. I've gone there every year. I think I've been here since. So that would be like four times already. So I'm going to go Friday night. I'll, I'll, I'll probably be there Friday, grab something to go. I mean, the place has a lot of good options. So I'm glad that you recommended that because uh, at least it means I, I, I was already informed of, like, the best spot to hit up in uh, downtown. Max, have you ever been to Cape Cod? Massachusetts. No, my my wife has. She raves about it. That's our spot. Uh, I called baseball out there, and Brent's family has a place. So if you ever get a chance, that's legit. God, it'd be honestly it'd be my pleasure. I would love to. Lacey's been talking about how pretty it was and all that. So I've completely missed out. Brent, when are you getting back to the Cape? Uh, hopefully the summer. I'm thinking. Uh, I think I'll visit my parents off my mom's birthday in August. So that uh, that's that's definitely the goal. Max, I want to ask you, going into the Travelers Championship, uh, I want to get this uh, covered first. Your birdie and eagle donation for the Alzheimer's Association in St. Jude for your next three tournaments. That's awesome, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I do it every year. Um, they both mean a lot to me. I, I this is you know I've had a good year, so I wanted to make it like a three week stretch instead, just to maximize kind of some opportunities for some birdies and eagles. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 been fun to fun to do. Uh, the WGC in Memphis, the last of the three, is a St. Jude uh, tournament. St. Jude is based there. I've been. It's like a it's an amazing hospital. They do a lot for for kids that you know unfortunately have had cancer, and you know obviously that's as bad as it gets. So um, and also the Alzheimer's Association is that's a close one to home. Um, so just like to you know kind of try to do my part to get people to kind of raise some awareness, raise some money, and see what we can do to kind of help help those people who who need some need who are in need at the moment. You got to dunk one on a par three then. I know. I, I'm gonna be going to every flag. Let me tell you, I'm I'm, I'm going for all the eagles. <laughs> Brett, you got some? I just uh, was gonna say that. Um, no, I, I mean I love that you're doing that. I like when they. I mean, all the golfers kind of do some something like that every year. And uh, I know I told you I definitely contribute something as well. And I mean, not on that PGA Tour winning level, but I you know if I do happen to win a little bit off that DraftKings stuff, then I'm definitely able to contribute. <laughs> Fair deal. <laughs> it's a fair. This actually mostly started because of uh, DraftKings. Actually, I think I was in Memphis uh, for the St. Jude one year, and I was uh, people were ripping me a new one because I played bad. All the all the DraftKings and FanDuel people, and I got into it with everybody, and they're making fun of me because they're like, "Well, I don't know if I made a birdie the first time. Maybe I made one," and they're like all making fun of me. So I was like, "All right, well, if you guys think I suck that bad, why don't you just donate for uh, you know." bogeys and doubles <laughs> they kindly did uh contribute and i made some of those as well so uh it works out so to anybody out there who who is one of those types of people you could donate for whatever you want you could do it for three bucks for doubles whatever as long as you're raising money we're, we're good with it max you mentioned you just got off the course this morning uh, what stands out to you most about tpc river highlands super underrated it has one of my favorite features around the golf course that, that we don't get to play quite enough it has a lot of runoffs to uh short grass areas we, we play a lot of golf courses and who where there's a lot of thick rough right around the greens and i don't think that that that's not really my favorite type of golf i feel like it doesn't really um it doesn't really 
penalize bad shots and, it, and it, it's kind of equal to like a good shot that just barely hops over the green. They all go to the same spot. I feel like it also makes it easier to chip when there's a lot of rough right around the greens. So when you're down in these low areas at, at River Highlands, um, it requires a lot of like imagination and skill and chipping off short grass is a lot harder than chipping out of the rough. Um, you know, there's a lot of different clubs you can use. So I love, I love that. It's also just got like a sweet finish, uh, Drivable 15th, 16's a pretty interesting par three. 17's a tough par four. 18's not crazy interesting, but it's just a. There's usually a lot of fireworks at the end of the rounds. Um, there's a lot of birdies to be made, but with all the the reward, there's a lot of risk on on some of these, uh, especially the holes on the back nine. So I feel like it's just a sneaky golf tournament that doesn't get talked about at the time, but I know it's starting to gain some some traction uh, to in the public eye. Yeah, so I actually, I mean, I grew up going to that tournament just because, I mean, it's kind of like you going to the Genesis every year. Like, it was the local for me. So I did that, and then I was there when Spieth dunked it to win. Like, oh, it's the coolest moment ever. And then I was there in 11 when I was, like, 14, and Patrick Cantley shot the, like, course record. He was, like, an amateur, and no one knew who he was. He shot a 60. Oh. Yeah, uh, I remember that too. Because Pag up where I did, and he shot sixty, and we're like, uh, "This kid is truly unbelievable." <laughs> I, I mean, I love his game. I was happy to see him uh, see him win the Memorial. I'm a big Can't Lee fan. What's uh, What's going to be your moment this year? For uh, uh, me too, my cab will win by like twelve, maybe thirteen. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no stress, no fireworks. You know, just a, <laughs> just a classy like sixty three four times in a row, something like that. That's my plan, at least. Yeah. No, for sure. That's uh, I mean, stress free. <laughs> yeah, stress free. No bogeys for seventy two holes. A lot of birdies. <laughs> Should be easy. Hey, Max, how crazy is the deepness of the field right now? Yeah, dude, it's uh, it's wild. Um, you know, I guess I can't speak to. It's not like I played back in like the nineties or whatever. But um, every young kid coming out is very ready to go. <laughs> uh, there's a kid I was hitting balls next to today, John John Pack. Um, from FSU, uh, I think this is maybe his first or second pro event, uh, or as a pro. And I mean, he looks polished. Uh, you obviously have people like Matt Wolf, Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, who came out and were immediately good. I feel like before it took some time for the young guys to kind of get their feet wet and figure figure out this whole professional golf thing, and now they're ready. So you add that to the mix of all the already kind of established experience pros um pg tour pros who you know probably kind of figured figured all that out and uh you now you have very few holes in in people's games and in the field so it's just getting deeper and deeper it's making it more more and more difficult to win but it's making it more and more fun to watch and uh, you know we obviously get to play the best some of the best golf courses in the world and when you when you get these great fields there it's fun because you get to watch uh watch the guys kind of work their way around like tricky golf courses. And uh, I just find it entertaining, um, you know, as, as a fan of the game of golf at, at the moment. All right. I've got to ask. So you're, you're a funny guy. You're a, you're a nice guy. <laughs> if, if they go on, ask you to mediate a golf match, mic'd up between Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka, would you do it? Yeah, I'd 100% do it. I just don't think anyone would ask me to do it. And second, I'd be a little bit nervous because those are two pretty big guys. <laughs> so, you know, when you're thinking on the fly, you might say something that, that you didn't like. It comes off wrong maybe, and, like, both of them could probably kick my ass. So it's like it would be a little bit intimidating, but I would love to do that. 
you what, know, uh, what were your right, thoughts on did, did you agree with Kevin Kisner? You want to see him getting getting the ring for a little pay per view action? No, because I think what we're doing really well right now is like golfers are not known to be particularly cool and like great at trash talk or or maybe sometimes at trash talk, but we're not like we're not fighters as a as a culture out here. We're not fighters. We're we're awkward. Um, we're, we're goofy. The last thing we need is to show our hand. And like, if that fight comes off and it's not good and, and they don't, they don't, you know, they don't look that athletic. Maybe, uh, <laughs> I, I think it could really ruin what's going on right now. So I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the other end of what Kevin's saying. I kind of like that they have the beef cause it makes us seem like a real sport for a little bit. <laughs> uh, so I hope that they run, they get this, some run out of this. Cause I think it's working to all of our advantage right now. <laughs> What do you think right now, though, about this being? Do you think this is good for the game? It's obviously attracting eyeballs. Yeah, I think that's all that really matters this day and age. Honestly, I think it's great for the game. I think having a heel in any sport or anything is good. I think that's how you know TV and TV shows and movies work. Uh, I think that's how you know I, I watch other sports. You know, football, basketball, baseball. Like I have players I love and I have players that I can't stand. And um, you know, that's what's fun about being a fan. And in golf, I think there's been a lot of uh, protection of the players and trying to make sure that everybody comes off as like a classy gentleman. And I think we need more, more of this. Uh, it obviously can't be all the time or also, you know, it'd be kind of silly, but in this case, it obviously like it's, it's, it seems organic and it's been kind of flowing for a little bit. Uh, so it's coming to the surface now and then, you know, they're going back and forth and we got the Brooksy chance and all this. Like, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's funny. It seems lighthearted enough. I mean, obviously, you don't want anything like bad to happen, but it seems like heart, lighthearted. But I think it's good for the game as long as, again, I mean, I saw Brooks was on ESPN or Sports Center or something last night talking about it. So that's great for golf, man. It just provides interest for our game. And, um, you know, we could always use that one. Maybe this is our only way to combat Tiger not playing right now. Is like we just need more. Uh, we need some drama out of people. So we're we're figuring that that part out, and it's good. And again, it's two of our best players and our most influential players, which kind of helps too. Because it was just like my fake uh, my fake beef with Joel Damon, two guys who like people don't know a whole lot about. I don't <laughs> think it would. I don't think it would create quite much buzz. But we have two of the most popular guys out there, which helps a lot. My um my question because. My friends all make fun of me for being Team Bryson. Like, I get roasted constantly. I love Bryson. I've loved him since he was at SMU. Like, big Bryson guy. And I tell them, like, I think I talked to you about this. You like playing with Bryson. You like Bryson. That's like, that's. I don't know if that's a backup. Like, do I need reassurance here? But when you said on that, I forget what podcast you were on. I think it might have been the one with the Blues guy, the St. Louis Blues guy. And he was, and you were like, I don't know why everyone dislikes him. He's a nice guy. So, I mean, are you guys like buddies? We're not buddies. I would say I would say the tough part for me is I kind of like everybody. <laughs> so I'm pretty much cool with most people. So I don't – but I will say I don't have a side in this beef. Uh, there's definitely been some, you know, if we're going to go by boxing, like there's been some rounds I thought Bryson won. There's been some rounds I thought Brooks won. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I, like I said, I think they're both good for golf. Um, Bryson's never done anything like mean to me. Uh, Brooks has never done anything mean to me, so like they're 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 good in my book. I like I said, I'm just kind of watching this as like a as anybody like with my popcorn out, hoping that something crazy happens this week or next week. Hope they play together. You know, <laughs> have to mic them up. Uh, hope they have you know whatever happens. It's been fun. So, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, 
I I definitely hear there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, Team Bryson out there. Even though most people you know would imagine it'd be all Team Brooks, but uh, I, I'm 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 just rooting for I'm rooting for drama. This has been entertainment on this boring like long season uh, is, is few and far between. So this has really been adding some spice to my week. Uh, Brent, that podcast you alluded to, Max, that was uh, missing curfew with Scotty Upshaw, right? I love that podcast. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome, man. They, they, I play golf with them down in Southern California when I used to live there. There, there's some hockey dudes are the best guys, like definitely in sports. Yeah, I, was that over a sport you were into? Uh, God, no. I have. I, know, I wish I knew more. I know nothing. I watched playoff hockey, and that's about it. I got a couple hockey friends. Uh, and that's basically all I got. I, I wish I I was more into it. I think it's it's badass, but yeah, never never was raised knowing much about hockey, and, and never really got too deep into it. I like I said, every every time playoffs come around, I get I lock myself in a little bit more. But uh, unfortunately, that is a sport I've missed out on. Did you see that video of Tom Brady dunking three putts in a row? Before. Yeah, the second putt looked super shady. Yeah, as far as like the the, the first and third one looked like they went in. The second one looked like an infomercial where they like made it go in. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, uh, Max. If you were doing a match, what would be your dream match? You and three other people. Uh, Aaron Rodgers would be my partner, uh, and we would play against. Steph Curry and Taylor Gooch. I think that'd be that'd be fun. That'd be good. <laughs> what that'd do you be think, a good one. That's funny. I would. Um, I'd like to see you with. I'm trying to think here. Maybe Patrick Reed. That'd be good. Patrick Reed would be good in that thing. He actually is pretty slick. Like he can, he can, he can talk some trash. He's he's pretty quick witted. Um, who else would be good at that? See the thing is, there, the, Kevin Kisner has to be in one of these. Like Kevin Kisner and Justin Thomas are would be the best to go back and forth with. I mean, JT doing the commentary for the one uh, on course commentary was phenomenal. We need him to be playing in it. Uh, you know, with Kisner on the other side, because Kisner can Kisner's pretty much the the best at, at all the trash talk and being funny and all that. So I think them two would be a, a good a good combo and pick two celebrities. Oh, Saban and uh, Mush Champ. That would be a good one. <laughs> I'm just making ideas for these guys. This is easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I'm trying to think of guys that I love to listen to, like when because they kind of you guys got the hot mics, obviously some unfortunate situations, but sometimes Terrell <laughs> Hatton, unreal to listen. Oh to. yeah, that would be a good one. You don't oh, even have gosh. to play with anybody; just have him play by himself, and we get to listen. <laughs> um, yeah, so I know I've asked you this before, but uh, did you did you kind of get the Jewish athletic gene, and that's why you stuck to golf? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably. Uh, I am. I, I, I definitely have some parts of it. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a heavy weight to carry. Being one of the few uh, decent Jewish athletes, if you want to call it that. Um, I am. Uh, I was never great at anything. I was good at good at a lot of other sports. Um, I run like a gazelle. That's my one thing that that I do. I hold on to. I'm, I'm quite. I'm, I'm fast. I'm really, really fast. Like probably the fastest person you've ever seen. Um, but yeah, never, never got the growth spurt for the basketball. Don't have the probably toughness of skin for football. Uh, no, not enough. Uh, 
hand-eye coordination to hit a baseball or throw one. So, yeah, so then I went to golf, which is typically everyone's last resort, and uh, you only have to walk, and it's, it's yeah, it's, it's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much, you would have guessed it, uh, you know, as a kid, because, you know, got, yeah, I, I, I got just, like, the little bit of Jewish, and, uh, you know, someone's got to do it. So it's me and Daniel Berger out here now paving the way for the next the next crop. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got a little pressure on you after Julian Edelman retired. It's like, damn, there's really no one at this point. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, him out, because we used to have Jordan Farmar. Not a lot of people know, but Taylor Mays, who went to USC, he was um, uh, in, in in the NFL, and, and he was our definitely our toughest. Uh, so now, again, me and, me and Bug, uh, it's getting bleaker and bleaker. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think they're writing stories about us in Israel, but uh, in Jerusalem. But uh, maybe, maybe one day. Well, Brent, you're now representing the corporate world. You're now suit man in the Jewish community. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, if that's accomplishment or not, but we'll take it. Pretty good. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty. Uh, I, I saw your tweet that one time where you said. Uh, you're, when someone asked you if you'd ever made a resume or something, and you were like, no, I've never had to. And I was like, dude, come on. <laughs> that was just such a shitty thing to say. We learned about it in, like, 10th grade, but I never actually had to make one. At that point, were you just like, there's no way I'm ever going to have to make a resume. I know I'm going to be a pro golfer. Uh, there were moments, but I would say, like, one of my proudest things about myself, like, as a kid growing up, like, in into, like, a – not so well adjusted adult was that like, I never really, like I had the perfect amount of delusion where like, I just kept telling myself I was going to do this. And like, I didn't really have a plan B. Um, I, you know, I went to college and did all that, but like, I, I didn't in my head, I, you know, if anybody ever asked, like, that's what I was doing and I didn't have to force it. Like, that's just what I felt. And so I was always proud of that because I do think that there's a part of being like successful at something like this. That's like, obviously a, a pretty small percentage of people end up doing where you do have to be a little bit, kind of naive to how hard it is as a kid and 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 especially when you start getting into college where you start to get more rational um but yeah i I never really thought about what i would do i mean here and there you'd have like these maybe fantasies of like oh i'll do this instead but it was like this is always kind of what i wanted to do and i felt like if i kept working hard i I could do it and and obviously it's kind of worked out for me i don't know what i would be doing if it wasn't for this but uh yeah the not having to do the resume thing was nice because it's a hard enough word to spell with all those like lines on top and uh you know i I don't really want to go do a job interview it sounds too intimidating speaking of your college days here i got the uh 2013 national championship pulled up and you absolutely cleaned up. I mean, you beat John Rahm and Berger by three strokes. What, uh, what happened there? Yeah. John came out first round shot nine under 61. Um, so it was a little intimidating. Uh, then, uh, he must've fallen back a little bit. I got hot the next day, uh, played a really good round. And then, yeah, the final, final day played super solid. I think I shot four under, uh, something like that. And yeah. Um, so that was, that was fun. I mean, that obviously that was my last college event. That was kind of, I knew I was going to be playing professional golf, but that was definitely a big thing to do. And just to so of my confidence turning pro, knowing that I beat, you know, JT, Rom Berger, all these dudes I knew were mega talented. So that, that was a good one. Um, unfortunately we lost in the team, uh, team title, but, uh, that would be one thing I'd like to have back. But, uh, 
yeah, I mean, national championship is right. One people think one thing people don't know about national championships is the trophies. All of them are the same for every single sport, and they're super underwhelming. So like I have, I don't even know where it is. Like this tiny brown thing says NCAA on it. It is not like you would think it'd be this big glamorous, you know piece of you know the 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 what is it called like one of those like fine china type type pieces and it just isn't it kind of stinks like what they win at wimbledon in tennis that thing yeah like i want something like that yeah that's probably pretty expensive yeah come on spend some money nca we know you got it <laughs> <laughs> well they might have to now uh, max you're talking about the deepness of the field earlier does that kind of speak to just how good the college golf scene has gotten yeah, speaking of college, it's depth, not deepness. So I'll just help you out there. Depth, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but you're welcome. But yeah, it it is college. You know, nowadays, like you you saw it in basketball. Like if you watch that thirty for thirty on Calipari, uh, the one and done. Uh, like coaches and 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 now players are preparing themselves when they get to college, like to play professional golf and like that's a big deal you know you go in with that mindset and with the tools nowadays with TrackMan and all that uh people are going in there very prepared and and practicing like they're already professional where i feel like back in the day that wasn't really the case there wasn't enough money in golf to be like that obsessed with it uh and yeah i think that's really honestly that that's what's helping is kids growing up even before college like it's a business pretty early on and that's that's huge for for the de- uh, the depth. Of you were about to say deepness. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was trying to figure out how much I want to emphasize. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just looked up depth in the thesaurus. Deepness is the first synonym. So you get, come on. Oh, is it? Oh, yes. Good for you. I was wrong. I have to defend myself. I was wrong. I'll take the L. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Um, to the open. Yeah, man. Never gotten to go. I was first alternate. Two years ago in Ireland, didn't end up flying over and didn't get in anyway. So that was like one of my few wins in gambling. Uh, and then last year, obviously, got canceled. So I've never been to Europe. I'm pretty amped. It's going to kind of suck because my wife's not allowed to go, and it's going to be a lot of you know we're going to have to do the bubble and whatnot. But uh, I, I just want to go play golf over there, see what it's like. I mean, it's, it's like a whole new world of, of golf. So I'm, I'm stoked on that. Uh, and then next year is St Andrews, which is you know that'll be. Um, you know, obviously a, a treat too. So pretty exciting to get over there and just kind of literally weather the storm and, and just kind of see what Lynx golf is all about. When you're playing in a major max, specifically the masters at Augusta, how long does it take to settle in and literally hit you like, damn, I'm literally playing at Augusta national right now. Yeah, dude, that was wild in November. It took a minute, uh, walking down like the first fairway, you're like kind of, your eyes are just darting all over the place. You're just like, you, it really does feel fake. Um, it is uh, once you start playing in the tournament, especially in April, because November there was no fans, so it was a little bit easier to like settle in. But uh, in April, it took a couple holes. Um, but at the same time, it, you know, as you start prepping in the morning, like before Thursday tea time, it's weird how your brain really like does turn on to just like it's just a golf tournament type stuff. But I would say of all the tournaments I've played, like the practice rounds at Augusta are not only the most vital to like learn about the course, but it's really the most vital to just like get used to being there because it just it just feels like a fantasy. What does your mental prep? What does that include before each round? Um, a lot of it is just like I, I kind of like I kind of try to go through the golf course and just like kind of picture like we we look at the pins. 
uh, where they're going to be. Joe and I will talk about um, how we're going to play it. And then, like, I'll already have an idea of how I was going to play it. So it's kind of like mentally just prepping for both good and bad. Um, and, and for me, I've always felt like if I can, before a round of golf, tell myself that, you know, there's going to be adversity and I'm going to overcome that adversity. If I already prepare myself for that, when, if and when it does happen, I feel like I like don't need to go through this emotional roller coaster to like level myself out. I feel like it'll happen and I'll be able to say, Hey, you knew this was going to happen. You know, like here it is calm down and, and keep moving. So sometimes if I don't go through that and I, I, you know, almost like expect to have a great day and you make bogey on one, it's a lot easier to kind of get a little bit jumbled. Um, so that's a lot of what I do. Just trying to almost visualize the day and, and even add in some maybe not so good shots just so that you can almost practice, um, I guess, like coming back from something that wasn't so great. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, Max, your next win, are you more of a Vern Lundquist guy or Jim Nance guy? Who would you rather have call the 18th? Uh, Nance is tough to say no to, man. Nance is just like the GOAT. Uh, Vern Lundquist is amazing, uh, don't get me wrong, but there's something about Sunday golf and Jim Nance. Just like, I, I can't imagine it. You know, it's like Dodgers baseball and Vince Scully. Like, it still feels weird not hearing it. Uh, it could still be great and all that, but uh, the, the voice is just, like, synonymous with these big-time uh, golf moments on Sunday as somebody comes up like the 18th hole. So something I noticed when I was watching you play at Bay Hill, uh, you play pretty quick on the on the fairways and off the tee box. What's up when you get to the green, man? You kind of You kind of take your time. Yeah, Dustin Johnson does it too, so – trying to take after him um it's weird i'm very reactionary when it comes to ball striking and then when it comes to putting i have like a system lining the ball up i'm trying to get better at it where it can go quick but uh the problem is if i don't if i stand over the putt i felt like i went too fast and i'm uncommitted i'm just going to hit a bad putt so i feel like i speed myself up by making more putts and not having to hit as many shots uh but i've been working on i'm trying to like i'm trying to clean it up uh and keep keep it moving but uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard at times, especially at that Bay Hill, man. Those greens ran like the five freeway in L.A. So uh, they're 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 quick. So um, uh, but it's definitely it's always a work in progress. I, I love fast golf. I, I I I wish everyone could just fly around the golf course. Unfortunately, uh, that has not been the case just yet. So we're all working on it, I guess. I don't want this to go to your head, but, um, you know, when me and my dad were at Bay Hill, he thought that you were Dustin Johnson. <laughs> I, I, I will say I, it would have gone to my head a long time ago, but I've got it a lot, so my head is already as big as humanly possible for, like, an <laughs> impersonator. So thank you. Tell your dad thank you. I, I think he looks like Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh... That's awesome. Um, so... All right, so this is my last question. So I know that you've got something going on later, probably after the season with that that Armin kid, but I don't know. What do you say? We tee it up in Scottsdale sometime? Yeah, we should play the day before I play with him. (laughs) 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 That'd actually be great. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime you're out, we can go play some golf. I mean, Max, Scottsdale is like where dreams are made. Yeah, right now though it's tough. It's like it, we're we're the sun has has completely come back. It is 
we thought we we uh, we beat it last year, but it's back. It's uh, 115 degrees. So anybody who wants to come right now is really really toughing it out because uh, it is not. Dreams can be made there, but you know a lot of a lot of lives have been lost in the, yeah. uh, in the old Scottsdale area this summertime. I mean, I was out there for Cubs spring training, working in 2019. It was my first time, and a, I went out with a couple players, and we walked into a club. And five seconds later, my life changed forever. There's one walk oh, yeah. into a club. That's all Nothing you need to better, see. Man. That's all you need to see. Nothing better. Do you know which one it was? Um, I can't even tell you, Brent. You were out there recently, right? Uh, I was out there in October, actually, so it was perfect golf weather. Got up oh, to like perfect timing. Yeah, it's not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah, the bar the bar scene down in uh, in Old Town where you were is that is as good as it gets. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. Max Helba, <laughs> we know we got we know you got a busy day and a busy weekend ahead. Can't thank you enough for jumping on the pod, and we'll look for uh, at Byron Maxwell to continue uh, defending you on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks, boys. That was fun. Take care. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Max. Later. Later. Yo, Brent Kaiserman, uh, you just got to talk to another one of your heroes. That was pretty badass. And Max Homa, another one of your favorite Twitter folks. You have uh, gotten done with interview number two on the BK Show. How do you feel? I don't know if I'd call him a hero. We're practically the same age, but, you know. I'm oh, he's definitely your hero. I'm 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 out here fighting the good fight on the corporate world and you know he's playing golf for a living but I mean I definitely appreciate what he does and who he is. Yeah, I mean you're kind of a fanboy. Oh yeah, I definitely say I'm a little bit of a fanboy. I would give you that much. Yeah, that's okay. Uh how are things in the corporate world, Mr. Suitman? Uh, things are going. I'm actually very busy all the time and things are just ramping up always. But uh, not too bad, man. I'm not going to bore you with specifics and what I actually do for a living because I'm not going to put anyone to sleep, and that's not my intention. So, yeah. Uh, do you have to wear a suit to work? <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, okay. Well, you're still a suit man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, technically, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, what did you take most from that interview, Gazer? Uh, it was cool, man. I mean, he's, he, he's the best, like he's so laid back and soft spoken and he just, uh, no, nah, he's, he's the man. I'm definitely happy to, it's pretty dope that I can call him a friend. So. Yeah. I mean, you have his number, you're texting him and now I guess you're playing golf. He said anytime. Uh, yeah. We set up. Yeah. So I'll probably set up, try to set up a tea time for later this fall after the season and, um, try to get that going. That's uh, that would be, I mean, can't really beat that. So can I be your caddy? Yeah, man, if you uh, know what clubs to give me and can figure out your way around the Arizona-style golf course, absolutely. I don't want to... I'm not an idiot. I can't be rolling up there shooting in the 90s. What do you usually shoot? Uh, Probably low to mid-80s, but truthfully, I think I would shoot terribly during that round. My first tee jitters would be unbelievable to be playing with a PGA Tour Pro. I think that would... I don't think you get much more nervous than that. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that first tee shot. I mean, he would probably green it, and you'd be in the cactuses. Yeah, I mean, he pipes it, so I definitely would be trailing behind. Maybe I play for like the kids' tees, and maybe yes. it'll be a little closer. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Um, he was awesome, and as you know, I've never chatted with him voice to voice, so that was cool. And you know, he took what, 30 minutes for us, and 
He just recorded his podcast. He's got another thing at four. You've got a work call call here in a little bit, so we're going to wrap this up. But, dude, you are the man. Appreciate you getting that set up. And tell you what, we're having some fun on the pod. Who would have thought not me? I mean, we made it this far. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man. I appreciate you letting me sit in on that, talk to Max, and uh, obviously um, love what you do and appreciate everything. And, um, yeah, man, it's been fun. Let's definitely try to keep it rolling. Well, next thing we're going to do, we got to get you actually in the studio on a mic for an interview, and then we'll go roundtable with all the boys down here. Yeah, man, definitely. That sounds great. Gazer, love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, sounds good. Love you, DK. See you, brother. It's episode 26, the BK Show. Brent Kaiserman is that dude. Max Homa is the man. That was cool, man. That was very cool. Again, we're also going to drop on Tuesday. Get me some calls. Get me some rings then. 317-699-2350. Get to voicemails on Tuesday. Do want to hit some BK's big play, though, as Dwayne Stotts, the legendary play-by-play voice of the Tampa Bay Rays, has got quite the team to call games for as Dwayne is a former Chicago Cubs announcer. But I think he's enjoying things from down in Tampa because the legendary 20-year-old known as Wander Franco has just shown up in Tampa Bay. And Franco, I can tell you, is the most legit prospect I have ever seen during my travels. He was the number one prospect in all of baseball, and he's a name that you need to know. Wander Franco, he's got two brothers. Both of their names are also Wander. (laughs) But he is the most famous Wander. And this Franco kid, unbelievable. So he's 20 years old. In 2019, he was 18 years old in the Midwest League playing for the Bowling Green Hot Rods of the Rays affiliate. He was an all-star. We hosted the all-star game in South Bend. I knew this kid was going to be something, and he was already highly rated. So all-star weekend, I made sure to get a signed baseball that is sitting uh, on my desk right now along with all the other ones. And again, this kid is the real deal. And he played his first game in the big leagues. That was back on uh, Tuesday. And his first big league at bat, it was something. 0-2. Fastball got him swinging. Milwaukee leaves him loaded. Life to the Rays now. And he swings. Hits it high and deep and gone. Home run. Broncos first in the big leagues. You know how Portnoy likes to say during his pizza reviews? This is just a good classic slice. It's football pizza. This is what I'd eat every day of the week. This is a call I'd listen to every day of the week. Dwayne Stotts, he has over 6,000 big league games of experience, and he's seen a whole lot of prospects come through. I don't know if he's ever seen quite the prospect like Franco. Again, this kid is 20 years old. He's no taller than me. He is absolutely yoked, and he can hit the ball. He can hit the ball a long way. He's fast. He's got a great glove, and like I told you guys when Joe Ryan came on, my buddy who was about to get the call from the Rays as well, and he actually represented Team USA, the United States of America, 
have clinched a spot in the Tokyo Olympics for baseball. Joe is on that team for Team USA, and we'll probably have him back on the show eventually once he gets the call. But like I told you guys in that episode, the Rays are just getting started. You think that World Series team was them at full form? No, no, no. They are still coming. They are still reeling in young talent. Franco is just one of the first, and the Rays are about to be really good. Dwayne Stotts, great call. That is, again, that's a call I listen to every day of the week. I, It was very crisp. He let it breathe with the horn. I didn't realize the Rays have a home run horn. I like it. But that was crisp. That was well done. Kid's first home run. It was emotional. And hey, Wander Franco started from the bottom. Now we're here. That was cool. To see some of these guys that have gotten the call, either that I've actually been around on my team or have just called games for, like, for example, Eli Morgan with the Cleveland Indians, 2016 Orleans Firebird. I cannot even tell you how many Firebirds have made their Major League debut. Within the last few weeks, Riley Adams has done it with the Toronto Blue Jays. Riley smacked his first big league hit in Chicago at guaranteed rate field, home of the Sox. And Eli Morgan... Just a couple days back, pitched against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. And he took the L. I texted him after. He gave up a home run to Chris Bryant. He experienced Wrigley at full form. I think he had like eight punchies. Good to see Eli killing it. Because Eli was on the birds. Got to know him. Then I called him as an opponent when he was in the Cleveland organization in the minor league system. They played the South Bend Cubs. And it's just cool to keep in touch with these guys. This is the point... I really enjoyed the point in my career where we actually like hanging out in the Cape and having a good time. We were just college kids, but like now where everybody is getting famous or everybody is just killing at the big league level, it's just a joy to see. It's like the proud dad feeling, like proud broadcaster feel. Like I know this guy, I know this guy. He just gave him a home run to Chris Bryant, but I know that guy. Pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Episode 26 of the BK Show. Thank you so much for being with us as we will get another episode dropped on Tuesday. Keep in mind, Friday beers, link in my bio, Instagram, Brendan King Show, Twitter at BKing Sports, TikTok is also Brendan King Show. Buy a shirt, promo code is changed. You can still get your shirt for the 4th of July. Make sure you're geared up. Promo code, Brendan, K-I-N-15. Brendan King without the G, 15. B-R-E-N-D-A-N-K-I-N, 15. Get your gear, and let's go, man. Let's go. Max Homa, you are the dude. Brent Kaiserman, you are the man. Brian Todd, you're a legend. Friday beer sticking with us. And we're just getting started. Thanks so much for tuning in. Talk to you next week. Max, go in the Travelers. Dunk a couple. It's for charity. See ya.